Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ireland is going through a gold rush. This is what a venture capital investor said to me at a coffee shop in July. An empty coffee shop in midsummer in the centre of Dublin City. I sent him to get me a spoon to give me a chance to mentally double-check I heard him right and looked out the window at boarded-up shops and down at a headline alluding to over a million people on pandemic-related social welfare. He is new to the game, with no background in finance, but eyes open to a seemingly booming industry of venture capital. So what is it? Well, in simple terms, it's a group of people who invest in a venture, a business, in the hope of getting a return on their capital. These guys, or to a growing extent, girls, essentially look at a business plan and bet on whether they have the next Google or Amazon in front of them. Because they invest mainly in startups or early stage companies, Venture capital has become synonymous with the tech industry and in a post-financial crisis world where banks have reined it in, it's become a favourable alternative to taking out a loan. So why Ireland? Well, if you read out a list of the biggest tech companies in the world, most of them not only have an office here, but a significant chunk of their workforce is based here. The same with the pillar banks around the world, and even more so after Brexit. All of this gives credibility to a city as a place to do business, as well as a rich talent pool itching to leave the ivory towers and build something of their own at a certain point. Then we have two crucial elements that no enterprise board can take credit for. The fact that we are geographically close to Europe and speak the business language of the world which is English. Just like any high potential company, a lot of things have to come together to make a country a great place to operate. Sarah Kunst has recently been named as one of VC's rising stars by Business Insider. With a stake in companies working on solving on problems we don't even know we have yet. So, Sarah, you worked in a few different companies before starting your own fund, which I think is fair to say wasn't the end goal. So I think it's really useful for young people to hear that careers don't necessarily go in straight lines. So I'd love to hear about some of your standout early roles. Yeah, um, you know, now I I run a venture capital fund, but like you said, I've done a lot of things before that. Um, You know, I started my career um, as a marketer and, uh, you know, worked worked for Apple and then Chanel um, right during and then right after college um, doing marketing. And and so, you know, I was always focused on brand um, and both of those companies are super innovative in their spaces, but they're most certainly not tech companies. Um, And so, you know, it's been interesting to see where my career has gone from there. And I just sort of 
followed my interest, um, which was marketing and, and, you know, building, building great companies. Um, but then also uh, was technology because, you know, and it, it, there had been such an explosion with the iPhone and, um, you know, Facebook and all of these new, these new innovations, right. As I was finishing college um, that I just sort of followed that and ended up working, um, you know, at a startup, um, a very early stage media startup, um, and then from there, you know, just was always learning from people around me. So my bosses at the media startup um, were the Winklevoss twins, um, who, you know, went on to to be some of the earliest Bitcoin billionaires. So I ended up learning about crypto really early. Um, and, you know, I just kind of kept learning and kept seeking out new opportunities and found that the tech sort of had the most uh, interesting opportunities. And so I just sort of kept following that curiosity and learning more along the way and eventually ended up as um, a startup founder and then now a VC. Yeah. And, and I think especially technology, because it is rel- relatively new and it's also so evolving. So it kind of, it just, it sort of keeps you guessing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and that's the amazing thing about technology is that it it changes and there's always something new to learn, right? The day before the iPhone came out, no one was an expert in the iPhone. No one was an iPhone investor. No one, you know, built anything for the app store. And then it came out and you could. And, and you know, we see that kind of again and again and again is there's new innovations. There's there's entirely new uh, things that, that come up that you can build. And so it's just been really exciting um, to see that growth and to, to realize that, hey, I can kind of be a part of, of building the future and now, you know, funding the future. Yeah. And what makes a good venture capital investor? Do you have to be analytical or an observer of the world? Or is there a few different boxes that you have to tick? I think there are different kinds of of investors. And and I think you can sort of choose like what makes the most sense based on on what you what your skill sets already are. Um, I have friends who, you know, they're really mainly pickers, right? They're not necessarily great at uh, they're not company builders themselves, and they don't necessarily, you know, know how to help you build a company, but they are some of the best people in the world at picking what companies, you know, might might do well. And so they're great pickers. Other people, I think, you know, really excel at helping companies, right? So if you built product at Facebook from day one and scaled it to hundreds of millions of users, you probably have a lot of great insights for, you know, for for people who are trying to do the same thing. Um, or if you were the first graphic designer or, you know, the first business side person at a big company, um, when it was very small, then you learned a lot that you can help start founders with. Um, other investors are really really good at helping founders fundraise. Um, and, you know, if you can always help your your founders raise the next round of funding, that's a really good skill set. And so, you know, you certainly need to have good judgment to know which deals are going to be good or not. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, it is so much more to do with, with your personal strengths than it does with sort of a formulaic one size fits all, you must be good at X, Y, Z. And I know you, you're involved in scouting programs. So I think that's a relatively mm-hmm. new concept to a lot of people and certainly to people listening that aren't so familiar maybe with the VC world. So if mm-hmm. I'm listening to all of the, what you're saying and I think I would make a great investor, but I have no money and VC funds are are uh, are ghosting me when I email them. Tell mm-hmm. me tell me about the concept of scout investing. 
Yeah, so so scout investing, um, you know, it's a category of investing that Sequoia, the large venture capital firm, um, kind of invented about a decade ago. And basically what it means is that you are angel investing, but you're angel investing on behalf of someone else and they're paying for it. And so, you know, what that looks like um you know, what that looks like is is basically depends a little bit from fund to fund. Um, a lot of funds in Silicon Valley have scout programs, um, some in New York, um, some in L.A., and, and you're starting to see them more across the country. Um, and, you know, I haven't heard a ton about them in, in other countries, um, but there's definitely, you know, starting to be more of that. And, you know, what it really means is that you're able to go out and find interesting um, investment deals. Um, and, and you're able to, to do those deals. And then you sort of almost like a, a finder's fee, you know, you're kind of splitting the upside when, when you make money with the funds that gave you the money in the first place. Um, and it tends to be people who are really well connected um, in a given space or, or um, you know, industry um, inside of tech. But then also, typically, you know, they they don't have the personal capital to angel invest, and so it's an amazing way to get started. Um, if if you know you get access to it, it it's a really kind of game changing way to get started in tech. That being said, you know, you certainly don't have to uh, be a scout investor in order to get started in tech. A lot of people you know, like myself, got started um, and, and built the reputation to even be able to get, um, you know, access to a scout program. I was in Sequoia scout program, um, and I did that by just helping companies. And and so, you know, I get so many inbound emails um, from people who want to get into the tech space and in, into investing, and they're kind of saying, what do I do? And my advice to them is always the same, which is, you know, go, go help people, go, go, you know, Go help people build their companies, whatever you do, if it's, you know, accounting or legal or you're a banker or, you know, you're a teacher, whatever it is, there's a startup in that space that would love to have, you know, free advice and feedback and and go help them. And the the fastest way, I think, you know, to kind of break into investing even more so than than angel investing um, is having a track record of being really helpful to startups because, as they raise money, they'll have a bunch of investors who will be very eager to talk to you. Mm. And do you think that could actually be a good way, a good, a, a good entry point for women to do scout investing? Because I know that is that having diversity in that area is a huge passion for you. And, you know, we will all live with the yeah, consequences. I, mean, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think scout investing is great for everyone. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's awesome for everyone. And um, I certainly think, you know, often women are paid less in the workplace. So it can definitely be a good entry point, you know, but at the same time, um, it doesn't cost that much to start angel investing, right? You have to be an accredited in the U.S. at least, you know, you have to make 250,000 um, U.S. dollars a year um, or have over a million dollars of net worth, you know, outside of your home, which certainly is, is a lot of money. But at the same time, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, um, or, or business person listening to this, you know, you probably can angel invest um, and you can write checks as small as, 
you know, $5,000 and, and start angel investing. And so, you know, scout investing is an amazing way um, for people to get into venture. Um, but I also definitely think that people shouldn't be intimidated and feel like they can't angel invest on their own until they can write, you know, $100,000 checks. Very few angel investors do that. Yeah, I'd love to look geographically now. I think within the the area of investing, there is an axis of the US and Europe and Ireland where we are today, which uh, is definitely has a a growing industry within the VC mm-hmm. world. I'd love your thoughts on on investing in the in Silicon Valley versus in Europe and what are the kind of differences there because we we have often um you know regarded Silicon Valley as as the kind of the place where it's all happening but I think Europe is definitely mm-hmm. catching up yeah, I mean, Europe is certainly, you know, a, a big player in the venture space, um, you know, and and uh, there are funds in London, but there are also funds, you know, really, I've, I've been everywhere from, you know, Croatia to Norway um, to, to talk about venture capital. Um, and, you know, there's, there's startup communities in, in all of those countries. And I think that, you know, Lots of lots of U.S. investors invest in Europe, and I think increasingly there are more and more um, there are more and more investors there, right? Angel investors who've made money from building their own companies, um, or people you know who who worked for big tech companies and and want to be their angel investor, started their own funds, and so I certainly think that there are you know more than ever. Um, just a lot of places where you can get capital. And that's amazing because, you know, the the more places there are to get capital, um, the the faster a startup ecosystem can grow. Mm -hmm. Can you take a guess on why it's growing in in Ireland and Dublin? You know, I I think that it depends on a lot of things. Like a lot of tech companies, right, are are based uh, there or have offices there um, because of the favorable tax environment. And, you know, it's it's accessible, right, uh, coming from the U.S., which is the bulk of venture dollars. You know, it's 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 a little bit easier that it's English speaking, you know, and, and so there's certainly there's a lot of kind of favorable, right, economic conditions, proximity. It's, you know, really close to New York. Um, you can take a, a direct flight uh, from, you know, basically any major city in the U.S. And so, you know, I, I think that there's just a lot of positive sort of, uh, you know, factors in its favor. Um, you know, there there have been since early on, um, there have been a lot of bit, a, a lot of big tech conferences there. Um, you know, and and so I just think that that having that from early on has has been really helpful for to just keep it on the radar as as the tech industry grows. We might as well give Web Summit a plug. They might be listening. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have you been to Web Summit? You know, um, I actually was supposed to go in Portugal a couple of years ago, and um, I missed my flight. The flight got canceled because of bad weather. Um, and so I didn't get to go. And obviously, it's not happening. I'm not. I'm not going to be headed out of the country this year. Um, but but hoping you know soon that I'll I'll be able to go. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling it will will stick around for sure, especially if if busy and tech keep keep growing. Um, I'd love to hear about some of the sectors that you find particularly interesting right now. I think vital services definitely are up there, and products around mm-hmm. food and health. Yeah. Um, you know. 
I, I'm really interested in kind of two areas. Um, one is sort of future of income, um, which, you know, in the U.S., the majority of income isn't made from having a regular full-time job, right? It's made from anything like having, you know, a podcast as a side hustle that you might make money from or, you know, working for Uber um, and being a driver or, or something like that um, to, you know, real estate or real estate earnings or, or crypto earnings. And, and so when the majority of money isn't made from a full-time job. There's just a lot of spaces, a lot of interesting tools that can be built around that um, to sort of help figure out, you know, what, what, how do you manage this money? How do you, you know, pay taxes on it? How do you know when it's coming in? All of those things. And then um, on the other side, you know, there is, I think, um, a big, interest, like you said, and kind of health and wellness and food. Um, and, and I kind of look at those as sort of complicated consumer, right? So it's not just sort of, hey, I like this, you know, this dress, these shoes online, I'll buy them. Um, but it, it's bigger kind of systems questions of, you know, hey, if I can't leave my house and I have a baby, like, how, how is my baby getting, you know, their baby food, right? And and how, how am I getting, you know, health care, particularly mental health care, I focus on and, and you know, legal things and, and um you know, estate planning um, and making sure that you have a will in place uh, for, for when you pass away and, and all of these things, you know, some financial stuff, um, fintech and insurance tech. And so those are kind of the areas where I spend my time. Um, they're not as sort of exciting and fun as some parts of consumer, but, you know, they're so important to people's lives. Um, that it, it's just been a really big focus of mine. Yeah. And I'm sure you were, thinking about them before but I think all of what you listed there are even more valid propositions in this post-pandemic world whenever that is exactly exactly yeah they're they're relevant always but particularly relevant now I think yeah Sarah I just want to finish on quite a serious topic but but I think what Mm -hmm. I think what your your thoughts give us a lot of reason for hope and that is discrimination um I know a lot of friends were in touch with you from big tech firms and VC firms around Mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matters movement as a woman of color yourself so I think mm-hmm. it's still a very live problem in tech and finance, I think it's fair to say, but there is a lot yeah. of reason to be hopeful about the future. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in America in particular and really around the world, right, there's a lot of racism, there's a lot of sexism, um, you know, and and there's a lot of just sort of hating or disliking or having bias against other people, you know, because because of something that, you know, just because of who they are, right? And and it's 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 not helpful and it it especially in tech, you know, where where you're really building the future, you're you're missing out on so many opportunities if you won't look at certain people, you know, because of their race, because of their religion, because of their gender. Right. And, and it's just silly. Um, it's just silly. And, and it's, it's bad for business. You know, at the end of the day, it's my job to make money for my investors. And if I, you know, um, if, if I am, you know, not, uh, not doing that, then, I'm not doing my job well. And and if I refuse to, if I'm only looking at a tiny sliver of the population, you know, I'm not doing my job well. And and so I think that that's one thing that people really need to understand that, you know, this is more than just, hey, do the right thing. This is you can't do your job if if this is how you're behaving. And, and once you understand that, I think, you know, 
hopefully a lot of these people, a lot of these funds, a lot of these these companies, you know, that haven't done a great job of, of being diverse are taking, you know, a really, a really hard look at themselves saying, you know, hey, I got to do better. And and I think that's important. I think that's good. Um, and, and it's certainly long overdue, you know, and, and so hopefully uh, we see more and more that that, that stuff changes. Um, but the reality is that, you know, it, it's long overdue. And I think it's great to that people are, are having these conversations now because before they they weren't. And I, I think that not having them, you know, really is is part of the problem, right? When it's, it's hard to change things that you don't address and don't talk about. Yeah. Well, we await to see action. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That That's the hope. People talk about it now. And then the question is, great, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, well, we're 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 hosing them to it. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah <laughs> yeah. Kunst, thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thank you. If we think about the concept of venture capital, especially early stage, investing in companies that have only the bones of a business plan, but buckets of ambition, and we try to look ahead at what the successful companies of the future look like, we can be almost sure they will be tech-related and will be solving problems. Venture capital firms are up for taking a risk. Risk that traditional banks aren't willing to take and maybe financial risks even the entrepreneurs themselves are scared to take with their own savings so early on. The future thinking glass half full mindset of the venture capitalist will be at odds with traditional Irish banks who will likely be exercising extra prudence with entrepreneurs from now on as they try to mend their own balance sheet and recover losses made over the pandemic period. Sarah is characteristically optimistic about Ireland and its ability to produce world-class companies. And Sarah is backing Europe to become a viable competitor to where we thought was the centre of the world for venture capital in Silicon Valley. This optimism, combined with the deep pockets of VC firms that are popping up around Dublin and Europe, make me hopeful they're both right. That's it for Rethinking Ireland for this week. Thanks to Sarah Madden, who co-produced, and Shane at Collaborative Studios. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.